Good morning, good morning, good morning, Discover Church. How's everybody feeling today? We're not sure it's how we're feeling. Uh, What's going to see you guys this morning, if I've not met you yet, my name is Journey, and it's my privilege to be the pastor here. Um, I guess, I guess... We, this weekend and next weekend, next weekend is Labor Day, and I, and I guess that's the official end of summer, yeah? Um, how many of you guys have your kids have gotten back into school? How many of you are thanking Jesus that your kids are back at school? Yes, I love my kids. We were ready for them to get back to school, though. Uh, listen, thank you so much for being here and spending part of your Sunday morning with us. If you were here last week, we had an incredible day as we celebrated our fourth birthday as a church um, it was awesome. We got a chance to tell some incredible stories. What you don't know, uh, potentially, um, is that the best part of last week did not happen at church on Sunday morning. Uh, it happened after the fact. Um, we do this thing every year with all of our, we call all of our volunteers dream team members. And so as an expression of gratitude from the church, we took all of our dream teamers out to Chicken and Pickle uh, uh, last Sunday evening. I had an awesome time having some fun. Uh, we recognize the handful of volunteers who have just continually gone above and beyond all year long. And then we had a very friendly butt kicking in pickleball. And, uh, and I'll have you know, church, um, you know, we, we have a board as a church. Uh, and I will have you know, church, that your board sufficiently kicked everybody's butt. Uh, Brian Pruitt and Kendall Hale represented. And the rumor is that Kendall, as a college tennis coach is pretty good at pickleball. And uh, there was no handicapping of that. uh, And so they swiftly whipped everybody's rear end. Uh, Listen, I I tell you that to let you know, um, number one, thank you for your generosity. It allows us to say thank you to our dream teamers, but also to let you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but but this doesn't just happen. Discover Church doesn't just happen. We've got about uh, 50 to 55 people um, per week that serve to make all of this happen, whether they're setting up this room, whether they're greeting people at the door, whether they are uh, helping our little ones understand Jesus on their level, uh, making the coffee and providing the, the, the refreshments. Listen, I just want you to know that there's a lot of people who make this happen. And um, I just want to say thank you for allowing us to be able to say thank you to them and perhaps give you an opportunity, if you're grateful for the volunteers that make it happen week in and week out so we can have Discover Church, now would be an appropriate time to clap your hands. Let them know that you're thankful for them. And they would probably encourage me to tell you that the best way that you can say thank you is join them. Uh, join them on a dream team, jump in and, and get involved serving. Um, I know that they would love to connect with you. Today, we're gonna do something that we do uh, periodically uh, where we, we talk a little bit about the vision and the direction about where God is leading us. And so today is Vision Sunday at Discover Church. And normally when we do this, we're, we're talking about something new. Uh, something new that God is putting on our hearts, something, uh, a new objective, a, a new mission for a new season. Um, but that's not what we're doing today. It's been a while uh, since I have preached a message where I talked about the vision and the mission of Discover Church. And, and so that's what we're gonna be doing today. And the reason why is, is um, I oftentimes get the question when people uh, find out that I'm a pastor or when they come to church, they often ask the question, hey, so, so what kind of church are you? And normally when people ask that question, they want to know what denomination are you? And we don't, we don't really fully fit in a denomination. Um, and so what I normally tell people is say, well, we, we believe like we're Baptists, but we behave like we're non-denominational. And sometimes they don't know what that means. And I say, well, it means that we believe in the Bible, but we have a cool website. 
Uh, and, and that begins to kind of frame and shape a little bit about uh, how, how people uh, feel about us. But I always feel a little incomplete with that answer because, because the reality of it is Discover Church isn't really defined necessarily by just our denominational affiliation. We're not really defined by, um, you know, the type of music that we sing or, you know, whether or not I wear a three-piece suit. Some of you wish that I wear a three-piece suit, in which case I'm glad Gene Vanderford is here because he's got that on lock every week. Right? He is always making the rest of us look bad. And Gene, I am happy to let you win that award every single Sunday. Um, uh, but the reality of it is, is that those things might help provide a little bit of framework of what Discover Church is all about or who Discover Church is, but it doesn't really define what God has called Discover Church to be about and what Discover Church really is. And so we're gonna unpack this today. Um, and as we do, I wanna share with you a, a, a verse out of Proverbs chapter 29. I love the way that the message talks about this verse, this verse about vision. It says this, that if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And I love this verse because, because what it's saying is, is that when we can't see the vision, um, we, when we can't see what God is doing, then, then we get really confused and, and we just kind of start to stumble over ourselves. That's true about our lives personally. We begin to stumble when we get in seasons where we are not seeing where God is leading us. And it's true as a church as well. Um, another way to say this is that, that without vision, um, people will, they, they kind of revert to make it all about themselves. When there's not something that defines who we are, where we're going, what we're doing, then what happens is, is we do what we always do. We, we just kind of go back, well, what's in it for me? I'm gonna do what makes me feel good and, um, and, and what seems right to me. And, and, and listen, I don't think that there's anybody at Discover Church that's like trying to subvert the mission or the DNA of our church, but um, what I do wanna make sure is that, is that we're able to know what is it exactly that God has called this church to be about. And as we do, um, I have a goal today. I have a goal to, to, to share the vision of our church to bring clarity and unity so that we can move forward together in momentum and encouragement. That's what I want. I wanna share the vision today so that we can have clarity about who we are and we can have unity about what we're, what we're about so that we can move forward. Uh, I used the wrong words a second ago. So we can move forward motivated and empowered together. And so uh, if you don't know, uh, Discover Church opened its doors for the very first time in August of 2018. It was an incredible Sunday. We saw a whole bunch of people here. It was crazy. It was, it was like people like swarming in and out of the building and it was awesome. Since then, um, you know, some stuff has happened in the world. And it has been an incredible four-year journey full of so many joys and so much excitement. It's also been hard. There's been a lot of things that have changed in the world. There's been some things that have changed in the church, but the vision and the mission of our church has not changed. And so I wanna, wanna bring this back to us to, together today um, so that we can know what we're all about. Let me tell you a little bit about kind of the life cycle of new churches. I don't expect everybody to be an expert of um, the new church world. A lot of us, when we think of churches, we don't normally think about new churches. You ask the average person, what do you think of when you think of a church? They think of, you know, some super old building that's like super cold and stuffy and, and that kind of thing. But, but when it comes to new churches, there are some trends that, that are true. And, and here's, here's just, here are the facts. The facts are that 80 to 90% of new churches fail. 
four out of five new churches fail. 80 to 90% of the pastors who help start those new churches rarely make it to the church's fifth birthday. And I know what you're thinking, like you're getting a little ahead of yourself, aren't you? We ain't to five yet. Well, I hope not. I hope I'm not going anywhere. Um, but I wanna, I wanna help make this a little bit more personal. In the spring of 2017, Jessica and I were in Alabama. We were at a church planting uh, training thing where we were learning some of the ins and outs, like how do you start a new church? How do you do that? Um, and we met four couples at that event in 2017. Um, we would be the fifth. And all five of us started our churches within about a six or nine month window together. Can I tell you that, that Discover Church is the only one out of those five churches that is still open and that the pastor and his wife are still at the church? Now, listen, I'm not saying that to brag. That, that, that's not like, well, you know, Jaron and Jess are just better than the rest of them. That's not what I'm saying at all. I can promise you they are more spiritual than I am. You spend about five minutes with me and five minutes with them, you would know that. But here's the deal. I tell you that to just brag on Jesus. I don't know why God has seen fit to allow our church to make it through the chaos of the last few years and why other churches didn't make it. All I can tell you is, is that I'm grateful that we're still here. And I'm thankful for the work that God has done. And I wanna kind of put a little bit of this in context, right? Like, and I'm gonna share a couple statistics with you. And here's the deal. Um, statistics don't tell the whole story. Like, I know that. Um, and, and we at Discover Church and me as a pastor, like, I'm not all about the numbers, but here's the reason why I think numbers do matter. Because I believe that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And so I wanna share with you just a couple numbers that help, help you see some cool things that God has done over the last four years. Since we opened the doors of our church, 158 people have said yes to following Jesus. How cool is that? That's 158 people that at some point before they came to Discover Church were far from God and had an encounter, not with Discover Church, didn't have an encounter with the pastor, they had an encounter with Jesus. Can I tell you, the pastor can't help you. Jesus can. That's why Jesus is in charge of this church and I'm doing my best to hold on and follow him. But 158 people have said yes to Jesus. Here's another number, 42. 42 people have gotten baptized at Discover Church. That's exciting. Now, if I can just be a little honest with you, I wish that the baptism number was up closer to the salvation number, right? Because what, what's the difference? Well, baptism, ba salvation, we say, listen, I feel, like, I feel like something's happening and I'm letting you know, like I'm making a decision. Baptism is when you come forward and say, I'm letting the whole world know I belong to Jesus. And so we would love to see more people getting baptized at our church, not for the sake of just stuffing numbers, but, so for the, but because people are saying, listen, I want the world to know Jesus has changed my life. And so if you're here and you've not gotten baptized, man, we'd love to help you out with that. You can go to the welcome team, you can go to the website. We'd love to walk with you through that step of baptism. Let me share you with the number that, that is um, really kind of mind boggling to me. The, the number is 276. $276,000 you have given away to missions over the last four years. A quarter of a million dollars. 
that we have given to organizations right here in our community, like a turning point and uh, like Hillcrest Platte County that are doing awesome work to meet the needs of people right here in our own community to resource health that is coming alongside of young women and young men um, that are facing unexpected and unplanned pregnancy and trying to help them uh, with, with some education and some training and some resources about what is going on inside of their body. Um, we've been able to partner with organizations like um, ARC uh, and like the SIN Network that are planting churches in the last four years. I wish I would have thought to do the number on this, but in the last four years, um, several hundred churches have been started through ARC and SIN Network, and you have had a role in helping to fund the research and the training and the resources for that to happen. And then lastly, we, we are deeply connected with an international partner called Compassion International. Um, some of you don't know this because this was pre-pandemic, but before COVID happened, um, our church wrote a check for $96,000 to go to Compassion International for, so that we could help start a brand new church and nutrition center and school, um, well, not school, but like after school program in Buena Ventura, Colombia, that is all built around telling people, meeting the physical needs that kids have and helping them see the spiritual need that they need to be resolved in Jesus. And you guys have helped contribute all of those resources. And so, man, it's just encouraging and exciting what God has done. I wanna share three quick thoughts with you and then, I'll, and then I'll dive into the vision and mission of our church. Thought number one is this, and this, these are thoughts that I have, convictions that I have about our church and about any church, and it's this. Number one, I believe that it's God's will for our church to grow. Not so that we can have a big church. I believe it's God's will for our church to grow because heaven and hell are realities because there are people who are living in those realities and there are people who don't yet know that, that the solution, not just for the hell that people are going to apart from Jesus, but the hell that they're going through, that the solution is Jesus. And as long as those things are realities, God has called his church to reach people for Jesus so that they can know about the hope that is found in him. Because of that, I believe that God wants our church to grow. Um, and the reality of it is, is our church is growing. In the last year, we've grown by about 25%, and that's fun. I love growth. Growth is encouraging. Growth, is, gro gro growth brings a lot of excitement. Growth also brings some inconvenience, right? Like it's gonna be a little inconvenient sometimes that you may or may not know everybody's name. Uh, it might be inconvenient sometimes. You may not get to sit in the same seat that you always sit in. Might be inconvenient at times, you gotta park you know, a little bit further away. One of the things about growing things, and I, and I believe this to be true, that healthy things grow and growing things change. One of the inconvenient things about a growing church is that it changes. And I've heard people say, people hate change. I don't agree with that. I think people hate the way that people usually try to change them. And one of the things about our church is that we are gonna change. We're gonna be constantly looking to make changes because we're growing. Let me tell you about a change that's getting ready to happen. And the reason why we're getting ready to make this change is because our Discover Kids ministry is bursting at the seams. We are having a hard time fitting all the kids into the space that we have. Not only that, we've got a whole bunch of volunteers that serve sometimes two and three weeks out of the Sunday back in Discover Kids, which means when they're serving back there, they're not able to be in here and participate in worship and, and hear the preaching of God's word and, and to participate in giving. And when we do communion, they miss out on all that stuff. And so um, I'm excited to announce to you that, that we're growing and because of that, we gotta make more room. 
And so five weeks from today on October 2nd, we are gonna launch a second service at Discover Church. All right, you can clap for that. And so our service times are gonna be nine o'clock and 1045. Now listen, where's all my Chiefs fans at? Right, I get it, right? We're going to the Super Bowl again and Pat Mahomes is gonna win the MVP, right? All the, all, we've got some Packer fans that are here sometimes, you know, I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have anybody to throw to and he's gonna choke again. And there may be some Raiders fans, right there's the door. Um, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, and nobody cares about the Broncos, so... The Chargers are legit though, and Chris is a huge Chargers fan and they scare me a little bit, okay? They scare me a little bit. Um, listen, here's the deal. If you're a huge Chiefs fan, man, we're making a way for you. Come on to the nine o'clock. We'll have you out in time to put the meat on the grill and you can watch the game and eat your steak or your ribs or whatever you're doing, right? Like just come on in, it'll be fine. We create space for you. And if you're not really a tailgating type and you just wanna make sure that you watch the game, come to the 1045. It'll be awesome. There'll be plenty of room for you, all right? So two services, October 2nd. Um, 9 and 10.45. Why are we doing this? Because we just want to make more space for people. And why we do, we want to create opportunities for people to jump in and serve and, and use their gifts. A lot of people don't serve because they don't want to miss the church service. Listen, I get that. But we want to create a space now where you can jump in and do that. Some people ask the question, hey, Jern, is the, um, is the goal of Discover Church to be a big church? Is that the goal? Or are you just trying to be one of those mega churches? And I'm like, I mean, have you looked around? We are a long ways away from that. Um, the answer is no, that's not the goal. The goal is to, to, to reach people though. And if God wants to continue to choose to, to see that we are trustworthy and faithful in reaching and caring for people, then I don't wanna be the one that says, God, we don't want anymore. You can send them to hell, it's all good. That's a strange thing to laugh at. I love Brian laughing at the awkwardness of the laughter. <laughs> Listen, here's, here's the heartbeat of our church. We wanna reach people who are far from God so they know about the hope that's found in Jesus. That's what, that, that's what we're trying to do. And if, and if more people come, then we'll figure it out. But the goal isn't just to be big for the sake of being big. The goal is to reach people. Here's the second thing that I believe about our church, that our growth potential is different from others. Listen, there's gonna be some churches that are gonna grow faster than us. Some churches are gonna grow slower than us. Can I tell you that we should not be encouraged or demotivated by what another church is doing. We should be focused on what God has called us to do. That's where we're gonna determine how we're doing. It's not about reaching a certain benchmark of how many people do we have or how are we doing in comparison to this other church. Listen, I have yet to find a time in my life where I found joy by keeping up with the Joneses. And I just wanna tell you, listen, Discover Church is not in competition with any other churches. Man, I am over the moon excited that Northland Church here in the Northland launched a new church uh, meeting in the uh, North, uh, North Town part of our city just last Sunday. Man, I'm excited about that. You know why? Because they're gonna reach people that won't, won't come to our church. Listen, we are on the same team. Discover Church never started so that we could be the church that everybody who's upset at their church can come to our church and talk about how bad their old church was. Because for those people, it's just a matter of time until they go to the next church and talk about how bad Discover Church was. So listen, our focus is not about trying to get church people to move from church to church. Our focus is about getting people out of hell. That's what we're focused on. 
And here's the third thing that I believe. I believe that we can get better. I always ask people this all the time when they're new. It's kind of an odd question, but I like asking questions to people. Um, when someone's new, I'll often ask like, hey, what'd you think? And I can tell that's an odd question for them. And, I, and then I'll normally say, I'm asking you what you think because we work really hard to not be weird. We don't, we don't, we're not trying to be weird. And so I asked them, what'd, what'd you think? Here's the deal. Because we want to get better, we love critique. Now, let me clarify this because what some of you, what I said was, is that we love critique. What somebody heard is, is they love criticism. No, we don't. Matter of fact, I tell our staff all the time, you have my permission to ignore criticism from anybody. But please lean into critique. What's the difference? Criticism says, um, do this, it'll make me happy. Critique says, if we change this, we could be better. So we're gonna embrace critique and we're gonna reject criticism. Why? Because we believe that we can get better. Now, here's the deal. When it comes to vision, here's what a lot of churches do. Here's what a lot of organizations do. Here's what we do sometimes in parenting is that we, we spend all of our time giving people rules to live by, right? So we give them these rules to live by and expect them to do the do's and don't the don'ts. Um, but the problem is, let me talk to parents for just a second. As our kids get older and it's different for different kids, as they get older and their cognitive ability grows, they're going to need something a little bit more than mom and dad said so. And so what kids need at some point, what organizations need, what churches need is not rules to live by. You need and we need a cause to live for. And I don't believe that God created the church so that we could tell people the right and the wrong things to do and the, wrong, the right things to do and the wrong things to don't. I believe God put the church here so that we can help people see that there is a cause to live for that is so much greater than any, any pain point, any hardship or any joy in our lives apart from Jesus. And so what I wanna do is I, I want to as a pastor and I want to as a church, I wanna help people know the cause that God wants them to live for and the steps for them to take in the journey to get there. And so what does any of this mean for Discover Church? Well, here's the vision of Discover Church. Here's why we're here. We exist as a church to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time. That's why we're here. We exist to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time. Everything that we do as a city right here at Discover Church is so that we can see people's lives changed by Jesus. And we believe that, that through the power of the Holy Spirit that his church can change a city and that it's gonna happen one life at a time. And so that's why we're here. That's why we exist. But, but, but what does it look like for us to engage people and walk them into a cause to live for? Well, I believe um, in order to answer that question, we have to understand that, that what, is, what are the steps that God wants us to take? Can I tell you this? That God has designed and desired for every person that's ever been born to take the same four steps in their journey with him. It has been the same since the very earliest portions of scripture, we find it all the way at the beginning of the Bible and we see it repeated over and over and over again from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And, and, and here are the four steps. The first step that God wants people to take is he wants for lost people to be saved. What does that mean? It means people who don't know Jesus, God's desires for them to be saved. Jesus said this when, when asked, hey, uh, when he was talking about part of his mission, he says, for the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. God's desire is for lost people, people who don't know Jesus, 
to be saved so they can have a relationship with Jesus. The second step is that once someone gets saved, God wants for saved people to be pastored. He wants them to be able to, to, to understand what it means to become more like Jesus, to understand what it means to, to follow Jesus. And this is so much more than just getting coffee with me. All right, we got a whole process and system in place for this. We'll talk about more about that in a second. Here's the third step that God wants people to take. He wants pastored people to be trained. Can I tell you that a lot of people's experience in church, when you hear the word discipleship, what normally comes to mind is a process whereby we educate people. I don't believe, I don't think that God is against education, but I don't think the end goal that God ever had for us is for us to be educated. I think that God wanted us to be trained. What's the difference between being trained and educated? Well, if you are educated, then you can read your Bible and you can read theology books and you can read books by all your favorite Bible scholars and you can just sit back in your office and read, 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 but you never actually do anything. God's desire is for you to be trained to the point where you gotta roll your sleeves up and go do the kinds of things that Jesus did to love and serve the community. So God wants pastor people to be trained. And then lastly, God wants trained people to be mobilized. He doesn't want you to just sit back like I know what to do and I know how to do it. So now I'm just gonna sit back on my duff and enjoy it. No, 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 no. God's desire is that you would be able to understand what it means to live a life that really, really matters. And so God's desire isn't that we just sit back with, with like this, this pregnant potential of, boy, it would be nice if I could. It would be cool if I would, right? No, no, no. God wants you, once you've been trained, he wants you to be mobilized so that you can go about and be the church, be the hands and feet of Jesus to a lost and dying world. These are the steps that God has always wanted for his people. You go, well, I'm from Missouri. You're gonna have to show me. I will. Exodus chapter six. You can find it right here in Exodus chapter six. And this is what it says. If you're with me in Exodus chapter six, let me hear you say, preach it. Here we go. Exodus six, it says this. Little context. Israel has been enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. God has sent Moses to lead them out of Egypt. And as he does, God says, Moses, I want you to say this to my people. He says, therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. What is God saying? He's saying, listen, Moses, I want you to tell my people I'm getting them out of Egypt. And I want you to understand this, that every single thing that God says in this passage to Egypt, God is also saying to you and to me today. God is saying, I'm getting them out of Egypt. What is Egypt? Egypt is a place that represents slavery, oppression, bondage, a victim mentality. Egypt represents a, a poverty mindset. And God says, listen, I'm getting you out of Egypt. God is saying to you and to me today, if that is the ex existence of your life, God wants you to know, I want to get you out of that place. But notice the second thing he says. He says, I will rescue you from their bondage. You go, well, that sounds redundant. God, why did you say the same thing twice? God says, I, never, I, I didn't say the same thing twice. If I said the same thing twice, I would have said it the exact same way. You weren't listening. God says, I want you to understand what I'm saying. The first time I said, I'm gonna get you out of there. But the next time he says, I'm gonna rescue. You know what the difference is? God says, I'm gonna get you out of Egypt. But because you've spent the last 400 years living in Egypt, you don't know what it's like to live as a child of me. You know nothing else but bondage, slavery, oppression, poverty, and being objectified. And what God says is, listen, if you're ever gonna get on track with experiencing the life that I want you to have, it's not enough for you to get out of Egypt. I need to get Egypt out of you. 
And so what God is saying is, is now I'm going to rescue. I'm going to get you out of Egypt. And then I'm going to go through a process whereby I'm going to get Egypt out of you. How many of you know if you've ever been in a bad place that you got there because you had bad habits or you made bad decisions? God's not interested in just dressing the outside of the issue. God wants to address the inside of the issue by helping to change your habits, helping to change your decision-making patterns so that you can get the Egypt out of you. Notice what he says next. He says, then I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. You know what he's saying? This word redeem, it literally means to restore or to return back to its original purpose. Here's what God is telling Israel. He's saying, listen, y'all have been in Egypt so long, not only have you become contaminated by the culture of Egypt, by the ways of Egypt, but you now are not even capable in your current state to live the purpose that I designed and created you to live with. And so what God says is, is I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to return you back to the factory settings. Here's what I believe with all my heart. Every person that has ever breathed, that has ever been created, that has ever been born was not an accident. It wasn't a oops. It wasn't a, well, we didn't, we weren't planning that one. It may have been unexpected to the mother or the father who brought that light to the child, but it was never unexpected. It was never unplanned by God. Every person is designed on purpose, with a purpose. And before God even put you in your mother's womb, God looked across all of his kingdom and all of the universe. Then he said, I need somebody who can do this. And then he knit you together. And what God is saying is, is that once you've gotten out of Egypt and Egypt's gotten out of you, now I wanna take you through a process where you can understand why you're here to begin with. And then what he says is, is then he says, I will take you as my people, I will be your God, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. You know what he's saying here? He's now making a shift a little bit. Once you've gone through this process, he's not saying I will be your God in the sense of like, now I will claim you. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is he's saying, and now I can be your God. Now I can fill your cup with joy, with victory, with freedom, with peace, with purpose. And what God does in this fourth and final step is, is he never does this with somebody who is in a Lone Ranger situation. He changes the, the tense of the verbs changes here, of the language changes here. And God is now saying, I, I'm going to now do for the entirety of my people, my, my, the Jews, the Israelites, I am now, when they go through these steps, I'm gonna be their God and I'm gonna fill their cup to the point of overflowing. And what God wants to do for Israel God wants to do for you. You can't, you can't just be a lone wolf. God is saying, listen, if you will plant yourself in my church, if you will invest yourself in my church, you'll be about my people under my leadership doing the things that are important to me, then here's what I'm gonna do. God's saying, I will be your God and I will fill your cup. These are the steps that God wants people to take. And we just feel like as a church, if they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. And so what we've done is we've said, okay, God, if that's so important to you, then we're gonna organize ourselves around these four steps. And what does that look like as a church? How, how do we do that? Well, we, we, we've arranged our mission statement as a church to align with these four steps. And, and here's, here's what it sounds like. Discover Church, our vision is to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time, but our mission begins like this, that we're gonna help people discover life in Christ. 
This is how we help lost people be saved. How do we do that? Well, we constantly encourage you and challenge you to go and, and, and serve and love and be generous to people so that you can show and share the love of Christ wherever you go. But the biggest way that we do this, right? Like as we think about how can we, what's the biggest rock that we can throw into the pond to have the biggest impact as possible is, is, is primarily our Sunday morning services. We intentionally design our Sunday morning service so that it can be a safe place for you to invite your friends, your family, your coworkers, people who are close to you, but far from God. And I'm just gonna tell you, as long as I'm here, we will always, always, always work hard to make this a safe place that you can invite people who have doubts, who have insecurities, who have questions. And we're gonna work really, really hard to make it a place that you don't have to apologize for. You go, what do you mean by that? Well, just think about the last time someone showed up at your house unexpected. They knock on the door, hey, how you doing? Come on in, oh, I'm sorry, the kids are doing this and kids are doing that, right? Like my house doesn't look like a museum, immaculate and spotless, so now I'm apologizing for all of it. I, apparently we are the only house that does that. Y'all are some lying folks up in here. Listen, we're gonna work hard to create an environment where they can feel comfortable. Here's the other thing that we're gonna do. We're gonna always place a high priority on personal invitation. We're gonna constantly encourage you, invite people to come to church. Why? Because you never know the power that a single invitation can have in somebody's life. This is important to me because when I was 10 years old, my life was radically changed by Jesus because a neighbor kid wouldn't stop inviting me to come to church. Hey, Jernigan, you wanna come to church? No, bro, I'm good, I'm playing video games. Hey, Jernigan, you wanna come to church? No, dude, I'm playing basketball. Hey, Jernigan, you wanna come to church? No, my mom told me to wash my underwear. Like, bro, why are you not getting the hint? I'm not coming to your church. Finally, you know what he said? He said, hey, Jernigan, you wanna come to church? And I said, no, and he goes, if you come, they'll give you a handful of free candy. I said, what time? By the way, why do we do coffee and, 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 and pastries and that kind of, we're just trying to create an environment where people can feel comfortable. Now I have to confess something to you. How many of you are familiar with the term mission drift? You ever heard this? Some people have heard it. Mission drift is the idea that you get so busy doing things that you think are important that you begin to lose sight of the mission, the stuff that's super important. And I have to confess to you that over the last, I don't exactly know when it happened, I can't pinpoint it, but at some point over the last year, I have gotten distracted with a lot of other good and important things that we're doing that I have suffered mission drift, that I have not equipped you to be able to invite people to come to church. And so I don't know when we ran out of these little invite cards, but at some point we ran out of them. And this is my fault. But listen, when you leave today, there's gonna be some people at the door that are gonna put this in your face and say, here, take one. Why? Because it's just an invite card. You can hand it to people as you're having a conversation with somebody. Uh, maybe you get an opportunity to pray for somebody. Maybe, maybe something comes up and someone says, you know, we're having a hard time or not from around here or I wasn't really expecting that. You can just pull this out of your pocket and say, you know what? Um, I, I know a place where you can get some help with that. Why don't you come sit with me? Here's some info about our church. I want, I, we wanna be an inviting church. Why? Because we're trying to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time. And so we want to create an environment where people can discover life in Christ. Here's the second part of the vision or the mission of our church. We want to help people discover belonging in community. This is how saved people get pastored. Can I just tell you that one of the things that so many people miss out on when they come to church is, is they think that, well, I go to church and that's enough. 
I got my worship on. I got my preaching on. Somebody told me the other day, and I didn't really know how to take this. They said, man, really appreciate it. You beat me up today. And I'm like, you're welcome. It wasn't my goal to beat you up. But if the Holy Spirit brought conviction on you and some things, then, you know, you're welcome, I guess. You know, I don't know. But we're gonna present the truth. We're gonna challenge you on some things. But here's the deal. I believe that we can be inspired by something that happens in a room in a moment in an environment like this, where we sit in these rows and, and we are in worship and we get to hear a message. I believe that we can be inspired in a moment like this, but hear me very clearly, your life will never be changed in a moment like this. Let me give an example. You might be inspired when you stand on the scale to realize I need to, I need to do something about my weight. But in that moment, your life is not changed. You're not thinner. Doesn't matter how many times you... You go and grab your skinny pants. You know, the pants that you hold on to for when you lose those 10, 15, 20 pounds, but can't get yourself to throw them away because you bought them the last time. I got two pairs of those right now. Go in, try to yank those on. And then you pass out. <laughs> Listen, you can be inspired in a moment when you are confronted with a truth. But your body will lose weight when you engage in a process that changes your life and your habits and your decisions. You can decide to do that on your own. And I would challenge you if you, are the, if you live in and amongst other people who eat normal food and aren't rabbits. And I feel bad for people with food allergies. Praise God, I don't have them. But if you are the only one in your house that says, I'm, I'm going on a diet. And everybody in the house goes, okay. And then when you walk out of the room, you know what they say? Wonder how long this one's gonna last. But you know what changes? If everybody in the house says, guys, we're making some changes. We're going on a diet. And we're gonna encourage each other when we wanna hammer a half gallon of ice cream like I may or may not have done last night with some cookies and Reese's hard shell on it. Bless the Lord, it was so good, y'all. But things begin to change when you get some encouragement, you get some accountability. Right, can I tell you, when Jessica and I have done diets together um, and she comes around the corner and sees me snooping in the refrigerator, she knows what I'm doing. What you doing? I'm looking for uh, kale. <laughs> by the way, that statement has not been said honestly by anybody ever. <laughs> God, you are a great creator, but what the heck with Kale. Good Lord, it's the food my food eats. Listen to me, small groups are how we help you get pastored so that you can become more like Jesus. And listen, hear me very clearly. It's not just about you meeting the appearance that satisfies somebody else's opinion of you. Hear me clearly. 
Why did God tell Israel, I'm gonna rescue you from the Egyptians? Because they did not know how to live free. They did not know how to live not as slaves. They did not know how to live with anything else but a victim poverty mentality. And God said, I didn't create you to live that way. So the process of small groups is where you can get engaged with other people. You can live in proximity with one another so that you can encourage each other. You can hold each other accountable. You can pray for each other. Why? Not so that you can just check a box, but so that you can begin to experience the process of freedom that Jesus has already died for you to live in. Do you want freedom from an area of sin or bondage or addiction? You need a small group to help you with that. Do you want to be able to experience the joy and the peace that everybody else seems to have, but you don't have? You need a small group so that you can have the reminders and the encouragement to live the life that Jesus died for you to have and to live. That's how we take care of people. And here's the reality that people, a lot of people skip this process. A lot of people go through the process, goes, I go to church and, and maybe I go to Sunday school class or I go to Bible study. I'm gonna stuff my head with knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. But what happens is, is some people in the room, you've been saved for 20 or 30 years, but you're not, you're, you're not mature in Christ. You've never seen somebody come to know Christ as their savior through you. Maybe you've never uh, discipled somebody. Maybe, maybe there's no fruit from your life. Oh, why? Because what you've done is the first year of Christianity over and over and over again. And what God's desire for you is that you don't just live in the hamster wheel doing the first year of following Jesus over and over again. God wants you to experience actual freedom. He wants you to experience actual victory. He wants you to be able to look down the line of your history and go, man, look at how different I am because of Jesus. And God wants for you to have fruit in your life. And the reason so many of us never experience that is because we just keep in the, in, in the hamster wheel. We go to church and we might go to a Bible study and that's it. We, 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 we feel good in a moment and we get some knowledge for the head and that's it. We never go through the process of being pastored so that we can become more like Jesus. And a lot of people wanna skip this step because it's uncomfortable. It's gonna require you to be honest about some things. A lot of people want to skip this step because it's going to require you to have to get to know people. Listen, can I tell you, I, I, I'm like 60-40 extroverted to introverted. There are times where like I can be in a room full of people and I am just so happy to just talk to nobody and watch people and make fun of them in my head. Y'all pray for me. There's going to be a special room in heaven where all y'all going to be able to walk by and just point and laugh as a result of the way that I live my life. Not, not really, that's not how it works in heaven. Y'all don't know what to do with what I just said. Y'all wondering, what's he think about me? I pray for you, and I'll leave it at that. Y'all pray for me because I clearly need it. God wants you to be pastored. Here's the third step and what it looks like for us. We say that we wanna help people discover purpose in their calling. This is where pastored people get trained. This is where the Next Steps course comes in, by the way. We talk about Next Steps course all the time. People say, what's the Next Steps course? It sounds like a new members class. Well, I mean, it, you know, it, kinda sorta. Um, I heard people say, well, it sounds like Next Steps class is like for, for new baby Christians. Well, I mean, there's some stuff in there for new baby Christians. You know, you know why we do the Next Steps course? 
Because I have found there's a whole lot of people that, are, that know Jesus, but are going through their everyday life wondering, does anything that I'm doing, does it actually matter? The Next Steps course exists for the express purpose of helping you understand and answer the question, God, why am I here? And so we walk you through a process where you can understand this. Listen, can I just tell you that Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you can be a door greeter or a nursery worker? Like, I don't want you to misunderstand. The Next Step course isn't just so that we can place you on, a, on the right team because we need something from you. Can I tell you something? This is Jesus's church. He said that he would build his church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. So if the gates of hell can't prevail against Jesus's church, I believe that Jesus is gonna take care of whether or not we need people greeting at the door. So we're not operating with a poverty scarcity mentality, but we wanna help you understand that there's a role for you to play in the kingdom of God and there's a role for you to play in the church of God. And we wanna help you connect the dots about why you're wired the way that you are, why you're interested in what you're interested in so that we can help you realize that, that, that part of your involvement in the church, when scripture refers to the body as one body, but many members and everyone serving and helping and doing their part, we wanna help you find the part that makes sense for how God wired you. But here's the deal. We are never ever gonna tell you that your divine purpose is to hold the door on a, on a Sunday morning. That's not your divine purpose. Your divine purpose is to hold little babies back in the nursery. Praise God for you, but that's not your divine purpose. Can I just tell you, the church doesn't need volunteers. Now about this point, all the volunteer leaders are like, I hate it when he says that. I want, I want you to follow my reasoning for a second. You know, there's absolutely nothing that happens in our church that we couldn't contract out to somebody else. We could contract out the coffee to, you know, whatever your favorite coffee joint is. We can contract out the, 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 the stuff that's on the hospitality table to, you know, Dunkin' Donuts or something. We could contract out all the kids' help. We can find an online nanny service and hire some babysitters. We could contract in a production company to load all this stuff in and out. We could contract a band to come play and, and sing the music and, and, and they're, they're professionals. Some people would, might even come in and go, wow, this sounds better. I don't think so. I didn't say that. That was an unintentional withdrawal from the trust bank account right there. And I didn't mean anything by that. And I wish I could go back 15 seconds and re-say that. But listen to me, there's nothing that we do at our church that we can't contract out. The church doesn't need volunteers but you need a place where you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. You need a place where you can be reminded that the promise of following Jesus isn't that Jesus is the, the solution to all of your problems. You, or he is the solution to all your problems, but you need to be reminded that, that Jesus doesn't promise to just take all your problems away. Here's why you need to serve at the church so that you can be a part of something that's bigger than yourself so that you can be reminded that the promise of Christianity is a purpose that's beyond your problem. It's a reminder so that you can know, man, it matters that I'm here. People notice when I'm not here. People, there's a role for me to play and I can, I'm, I'm wired the way that I am for a reason and God can use that. I'll never forget having a conversation with Judy Bryan one day. Judy Bryan, if you don't know her, I love her to death. She's super introverted and super detail oriented and I love people like that because they help me with things that I would rather run through a plate glass window than to do. And I remember talking to Judy Bryan. She said, listen, can I tell you, this is the first church. Like I love details and I love, I love spreadsheets and I love the, 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 the minutia of things. This is the first church I've ever been in where I felt like it was okay for me to be who God wired me to be. That's not a brag on us. 
but that's to tell you that the purpose of, of serving is so that you can realize you are the way you are for a reason. And however big or small you think that reason might be, God can use you in his kingdom by serving in and through your church. And listen, here's the deal. I believe that you might come in here and say, pastor, I don't really know if I believe in all that. That's okay. Discover Church is a place where it's, it's okay for you to come with your questions and your doubts and just kind of work through. That's all right. You can belong and hang out with us before you believe like us because belief and faith is a process. It's a journey. But here's the deal. I just long to be able to have a church where we can just be honest about the fact that we don't have everything in our life altogether. I mean, you can come in, you can put the mask on, you can act like you didn't go buck wild when you were in high school or college, or you can just be honest about it and you can start serving with our, uh, the bridge students. You can start serving uh, our young adults and, and, and just say, listen, can I just tell you, yeah, I live like crazy and I got some wild and crazy stories, but can I tell you at one point I woke up and realized I wasted a whole lot of time. Don't waste your life like I wasted my life. Or how about this? Instead of acting like your marriage is great and you and your, your spouse never argue, never fight, every Sunday morning you come in listening to Chris Tomlin on Sunday morning. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes. Singing and, and everything is good and the kids are perfectly dressed and their hair's done and everybody brushed their teeth and the shoes are tied. We had a five-course breakfast this morning before we came in, Pastor. It is so awesome. Oh, it's blessed to be here today. Or... You could just realize that there are some days where you look across the pillow and you go, oh, that dragon breath is hot and I ain't sure about it today. Or you could be honest about the fact that there were some years somewhere in the middle there where you weren't sure you were gonna make it. But by God's grace, God led you to a new place. And what once seemed dark and dim and hopeless, God has led you to a place now in your marriage where there is fruit again. You can lie about that and you can act like you've got it all together or you can come in and just be honest and you can get connected and help lead a small group and connect with some of the other marriages that are in our church that are having a hard time right now because they are in the valley of the shadow of death right now. You've made your way out and sometimes there are people in the church that need some people who've been through the valley to come back into the valley and says, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Don't give up, don't quit, keep leaning in, it gets better. point I'm trying to make today is that, man, our church is not a church. It's not a museum for good people. It's a hospital for the sick. And we ain't trying to impress anybody. We're just trying to help people and point them to the one that has the answers. His name is Jesus. Here's the last thing, and, and, and then I'll share a really quick story, and then we'll be done. The last step for us is that we want to discover we wanna help people discover how to make a difference. This is where trained people get mobilized. Can I tell you that the purpose of the church is not for you to get to advance the vision of the church. I believe the purpose of the church is to help advance the dream and the vision that God has built for your life. And so what is the passion? What is the burden? What breaks your heart? 
Do you see things going on in the community that breaks your heart, that burdens your heart? Because if so, it could be that God's breaking your heart over because he wants to use you to do it. And can I tell you, here's what most people do. Most people will see things that break their heart and they'll come and tell the church, oh, pastor, the church needs to do X, Y, or Z. And can I tell you, I used to believe that it was the church's responsibility. Okay, all right, let's go. Let's snap into action. Let's create a ministry and let's create an org chart. Let's create a structure and let's do all the things. But can I tell you where God has brought me? God's brought me to a point that says, no, No, the the church organization has not been called to do that. You are a part of the church. You might be called to do that. And the church's call is to help equip you for the thing that God has broken your heart about. And so what is it that breaks your heart? And maybe, just maybe, could it be that that's what God is calling you to do? And as our church grows and as more people come in, here's what you're gonna find. You're gonna find that there's certain things like, like, like you're gonna have like this weird obsession about things that you wanna help with. And eventually you're gonna find that there's somebody else that's the same kind of weird as you are. And we just wanna put y'all together. We'll give you some resources to help you know what it looks like. How do we organize this? And, and how do we actually do something that actually matters? And we'll, we'll try to give you an opportunity to gather some more people because you know many hands make light work. And we're just gonna try to help you make a difference in our city, make a difference in our community, make a difference in the world. So we exist as a church. We wanna help people discover life in Christ, belonging community, purpose and calling, and discover how to make a difference. What does this look like? I'm gonna tell a very quick story and then we're gonna be done. Brian, you can go ahead and come up. Back in the day um, before uh, Uber was a thing, and before airplanes were the primary source of mass transportation, a time that none of us lived in, uh, the primary means of mass transportation, particularly from one country to the other, was boating. And so what would happen is, is um, as people would, 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 would take boats from, from, from one country to another, um, you know, most of the time that they would make it, but sometimes they wouldn't. And there's... Uh, uh, some incredible history, incredible stories that uh, there, were, there were these things called rescue societies that were started along the, the, the European coast, people who lived on the coast. And what they would notice and what they would see is they would see um, that because the Atlantic Ocean is cold and treacherous and it's notoriously difficult to traverse, oftentimes what they would see as people were getting close to the coast, um, they would see storms come and, and boats would be capsized, boats of all sizes. And so what these people would do is they would, they would create these, uh, these rescue societies. And they would say, hey, listen, I, we live on the coast and we got a boat. We see somebody out there that's struggling. We need to go do something about it. And so they would jump in their boats and the whole community would get their boats and, and they would get out and they would start rowing out into the water, out into the storm. And they would grab people and they would bring them into the boat, literally saving people and rescuing people. And then they would come back to the shore and they would, they would then celebrate. The whole towns and communities would celebrate. Oh my goodness, look at these people. They, 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 were, they were shipwrecked, they were abandoned, they were, they were gonna drown, they were gonna die. But man, they're alive, that's awesome. But as time went along, people did what they always do and they made it about themselves. And what used to be rescue societies and the origins of these rescue societies became the foundation and the beginning entry points of what would eventually become known as yacht clubs. 
Well, no longer are they about trying to help and rescue people. Now we've got bigger boats and nicer boats and prettier boats. And now we go out for our pleasure and our joy. It is common for us believers to adopt that mentality. In fact, as I'm speaking today, I want you to ask yourself the question, is my life one built as one who is on a rescue society mission or is my life built as one who is living in a yacht club? We start off with passion, excitement, enthusiasm, but as time goes and the passion wanes, it becomes more about comfort than it does about calling. And can I tell you what's true about Christians is also true about churches. As long as I'm here, you've got this promise from me. I'll make it to you. I'm gonna fight like hell and I'm gonna fight against hell for Discover Church ever to become a yacht club. May we always be a rescue society. May we always be a, a group of people that are willing to go out in the uncomfort, in the storm, in the chaos with a solution and with hope. May we get them in the boat where they can, where lost people can be saved. And instead of just leaving them there, let's get somebody else in the boat to wrap around them with some blankets and, and some water and put some food in their belly. Let's pastor them. Let's make sure that they're well. Let's get them past the point of, of, of surviving and to the point where we know that they're gonna make it. And then once we get them to that point, let, 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 let's then, in the recognition that there are more people in the water, let's say, hey, listen, this is how you get people in the boat without falling into the water yourself. We're gonna train you to do that. And then eventually the hope is that, is that when you see that happen, that we get you in the boat and then we, we, we come around you and make sure that you're well and, and, and we get the opportunity to, to show you how to get some other people in the boat, then we're gonna go back and we're gonna celebrate like crazy, thank God, that hell lost another one. And then we wanna mobilize you eventually. I don't know what it looks like for you, but at some point, like, let's get you a boat. If you're good, like, why don't you go? You don't need me to do it. You can do it. Listen to me, church. The church is one of the only organizations that have ever existed on the planet that exists primarily for its non-members. Because God has called his church to be a rescue society, not a yacht club. And the first step for everybody is always discovering life in Christ. At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. Again, that's the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to connect. Reach out to us on social media and let us know that you've found us through the Discover Church podcast. Thanks for listening.